going to be obedient and stay with your theme. Come with me to the book of Ephesians, if you have it. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. If you allow me, I just want to back up to verse 9. I said 8, but I think we'll be okay if I just stay with verse 9. Ephesians 4, 9, if you have it, say amen. amen. If you don't have it, say wait a minute. All right. All right. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You may be seated in the presence of God. I, I am thine, O Lord. I've heard thy voice and it told thy love to me, but I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to thee. So consecrate us now to this service, Lord, by the power of grace divine and let our souls look up with a steadfast hope and let our wills, our intellect, our emotions and all that we are be hidden behind the cross. Crucify me there so that Jesus might be resurrected and plainly seen and then help us elevate the Savior. And we'll be careful to give your name, the praise, the honor, and the glory that is due. And Father, if there's somebody here that doesn't know Jesus, let them be introduced to Jesus today. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The church is begun in the position of victory. Can, can I say that again? The church starts out by being victorious. Uh, as Paul writes this uh, passage, he's looking at the procession of victory. See, in, in, in the olden days, the victorious general would lead a procession uh, of all the people and goods that he captured. And, and, and as they marched, he would reach into his goodie bag, if you will, and parcel out, pitch out uh, gifts to people. And, and, and the people didn't get to decide what gifts they got. The victorious general decided what gifts they got. So Paul says about Jesus when he ascended up. This is a picture of the resurrection. Uh, Jesus, you remember, died on a Friday. Uh, they hung him on a cross between two thieves and he died, but the glorious part of Jesus' death is that he did not stay dead. Uh, I, I'm so glad that Jesus uh, arose, and when he got up, he had all power in his hands, and he led death, hell, the grave, and Satan in a victory procession, and he showed them openly. He embarrassed them publicly, and because he was victorious, he's able to parcel out and distribute the gifts that he wants the church to have. 
on, on your birthday, I, I just stopped by to tell you something that was already said. Uh, you're already victorious. You, you need to touch your neighbor and say, I'm, I'm already a winner. All, already. Whew. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad to know that you're already a winner? The, the, the world says you've lost something and you can tell them you're a liar. I'm a winner. As a matter of fact, I'm more than a conqueror. I, I'm the head. I'm not the tail. I'm not some leftover. I'm not discarded, but I'm a child of God. Uh, let me see. Let, let, let me see. The church has already been seated in heavenly places. She has been chosen already in him before the foundation of the world. Uh, she has been redeemed through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You know what? The church is a has been. Uh, she has been loved. She has been redeemed. She has been sealed. She has been sanctified. And she has been on your birthday. I want you to know you a has been because God has already done what he needed to do to secure your victory. The church's savior, her Lord, is a can-do Christ because he's a has-been. Say, I know this is going to offend somebody, but I serve a has-been. Oh, yes, I do. He has been crucified, but he has been resurrected. He has been called nothing, but he also has been exalted to the right hand of God the Father. Uh oh, he has been spat upon, but now he is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. He is a has been because he's already conquered death, hell and the grave. And he has been resurrected with all power. Uh, I, I just got by to ask you a question or two on your birthday. What do you need Jesus to do for you? Somebody in here needs to be saved. I came to tell you he's got the power. Somebody in here is living in a jacked up situation, but I came to tell you he's a fixer. Oh, yes, he is. He can fix your mental problems. He can fix your financial problems. He can fix your emotional problems. As a matter of fact, Jesus is the best mechanic I know because whatever is broken, he can fix it. Uh, uh, I, I, I just stopped by my friends and my family. I'm, I'm glad I'm at home. I, I ain't nowhere else. Jesus has the power to do whatever you need done today. If he has the power to walk on water, he's got power to walk on your circumstance. If he's got power to tell the winds and the waves to lay down and be quiet, he's got the power to steal everything that is coming against you. See, we like to quote the passage, but I want to tell you the power behind the passage of no weapon formed against you shall prosper is Jesus. It's not the crucified Jesus, but it's the resurrected Jesus. So Paul, picturing Jesus as the commander of God's army, says, and he gave some. Notice there's five things that he gave. And I said I didn't want to say this, but I, I feel like I have to. We have some friends, and they're great people, that believe in a five-fold ministry. They said if you don't have all five-fold uh, things in your assembly, then you don't really have a, an assembly. I came to stand before you to tell you I think they're wrong. I, I think they got it just a little bit twisted. Uh, 
let me let me walk through this real quickly. He gave now the first thing he gave is apostles and the apostles were eyewitnesses of what they saw. They saw him heal Bartimaeus. They saw him raise Lazarus. They saw him walk on water. They saw him feed 5000. So one of the qualifications of being an apostle is you had to have seen Jesus. And then not just the living, walking Jesus, you had to have seen the resurrected Jesus. Or they didn't want to be at the tomb, but they saw him. Uh, right up there in Galilee, they saw him as they went back fishing. And then Jesus, because he wanted to make Paul an apostle, had a special place to meet him. He met him on the Damascus Road. And Paul didn't get to see the physical Jesus, but he saw the resurrected Jesus. So to be an apostle, you had to have been an eyewitness of the resurrected Jesus. Then you had to be sent by Jesus himself. Uh, there are some folk that just go. Jesus ain't sent them. So I don't know how they can be an apostle because they don't meet the first two qualifications. But there's a third qualification for an apostle. An apostle was able to raise the dead, to heal the sick, to establish churches, and then to rightly divide the word of God. So I don't know anybody alive that can meet all three of those qualifications. So let me just say today, I don't know for sure if anybody can really be an apostle. Then he had prophets. I, I like this one because it made me do some homework. Uh, in, in the church at Antioch, there was this guy named Agabus. And, and Paul was getting ready to go to Jerusalem. So Agabus comes out of the back room and said, Paul, God gave me a word for you. God gave Agabus the word. Agabus didn't go out and read the Cincinnati Enquirer and then come back and try to tell Paul what the word was. Agabus didn't call anybody any of his friends. Agabus got the 411 from God himself. And so he told Paul, they're going to bind you and they're going to take you to Jerusalem. The issue of a prophet is not just getting the information from God beforehand, but it's rightly and correctly dividing what God has to say to his people and then telling his people in such a way that they can digest and use the information. He gave evangelists. Philip, Luke, Silas, and all of that company that went with Paul were evangelists. Now, before we get it twisted, yes, every believer is an evangelist. That's in function. But Paul is talking about the office. Paul is talking about some specifically designated people who are to carry the word where it's never been heard. Then comes the next two that I like because I can fit into those. He gave pastors and teachers. Some people separate the two. Some people put them together. It really doesn't matter except that the pastor is charged with overseeing a specific flock at a specific place for a specific time for a specific reason. Oh, y'all didn't catch that. Everybody can't be a pastor. A pastor's heart will get broken, but a pastor has to stay. A pastor can get talked about, but a pastor has to stay. The pastor may not be loved or may be loved, but he still has to stay. The evangelist will come and preach your socks off and then say sayonara, see you tomorrow, and he's gone. But the pastor has to stay right where God placed him. 
You got to be gifted, anointed, appointed, sent, signed, sealed, and delivered to be a pastor. Then, a pastor better be able to teach. With all of the mess going on in the world right now, my brother, we got to teach. We have to rightly divide the word of truth. And so, Jesus being God in flesh and resurrected dispenses to the church. I guess that makes me a, dis a dispensationalist. I tried not to be one. But God didn't give every church every gift in every dispensation. Let me, can I just tell you real quickly what dispensation is? A dispensation is nothing more than a time period where God interacts with his folk. The way he interacted with his folk in the first century may not necessarily be the same way he interacts with his folk in the 21st century. We have something that they didn't have. Where's one? You got, we have a Bible. Let me see that round. Amen. You got the whole word. See, they didn't have the whole word. But today we got the whole word. From cover to cover, it talks about what God wants from his people and what God has given to his people. They didn't have the whole word back then. We got something they didn't have. Since God is not the author of confusion, God had a reason for doing what he did. Jesus, who is the son of God, who is God in the flesh, was allowed and permitted to distribute gifts. Notice with me then what the writer says in verse 12. For this purpose, he starts with the reason for he gave and he gave. Well, when God gave Jesus, the purpose was for our salvation. Only Jesus could fix it so that we could get saved. If you're sitting here today and you don't know Jesus, let me help you real quickly. You can't save yourself because you're dead in trespasses and sin. Jesus has to come and make you alive. And he is God's gift for our complete salvation. Then Jesus gives gifts to the church for the smooth operation of the church. Notice what he says. First thing, first reason, for the perfecting of the saints. <sighs> Growth is a natural and expected outcome for every living thing. You take a seed, put it in the ground, cover it, water it. You expect that seed to grow. The baby is born. You bring him home or her home and you expect that baby to grow. Growth is expected and it's natural. Next, growth is the outcome or the demonstration of good health. Uh-oh. I, I see some faces. If the baby don't grow, something's wrong in that baby's body. Somebody might say, well, the DNA of the mama and daddy got issues, but that's all right. You still expect the baby to grow, and if he or she does not grow, you take them to the specialist. I'll get back to it in a second. Why does that happen? Because growth is imprinted in every cell of our bodies. 
God didn't have us birth so we'd stay the same. Help me, Holy Ghost. When you were born again, God does not expect you to stay exactly where you are. The expectation of God is growth. And so we lie on God when we come in church and say, I ain't got to listen to that. I ain't got to do. Yes, you do. If you want to grow, you have to consume the word. If you want to grow, you have to exercise the word. Pastors and teachers then partner with God in the process of maturing and perfecting the saints. Can I help you with that word? You're not going to be perfect while you're in your skin. But I'm so glad God got down on the inside and he's perfecting. He's working. See, what God does is he gets down on the inside of you and he starts working on you to make you and me look more like Jesus. Y'all ain't with me. Uh, he, when he gave some, he gave the sum, the, the license to use the word of God. Well, what the word of God does is it penetrates you. Oh, yes, it does. If you've ever been doing stuff you ain't supposed to do, the word of God gets in there and it starts cutting on you. And then after it's chiseled and cut on you, it begins to stimulate you. Every now and then, the word of God will start percolating in your heart, making you want to do what Jesus did because the word is conforming us, shaping us and molding us. And then the word begins to cultivate us. Oh, I'm so glad that God gives us the word because the word will work. The word does what God wants it to do. He gave some uh, uh, apostles and prophets and, and evangelists and pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the word, the perfecting of the church. The church is then called to go to work. Oh, look at that second part. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. My brothers and sisters, the church has a job to do. Uh, you got a job to do. You've been called into existence to be a light in a dark place. Uh, only the church has the right information about Jesus. Can I just share with you for 111 years, a uh, new mission has been commissioned to be a lighthouse. Your, 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 your job is to make sure folk don't crash on the rocks of sin. Your, your job is to elevate Jesus so high that he's absolutely inescapable to the people you were surrounded by. Uh, you, you're, you're called to be a light in a dark place. And then you're called to be salt in a world that needs preservation. Uh, the world around you is dying. All we have to do is look at TV. The world is dying and going to hell. On TV, men are now kissing men. Women are sleeping with women. Uh, babies are being tossed out like the garbage. Came to tell you this morning that you are called to be salt. You're called to be different. Well, then somebody is saying, well, how do I do that? Let me give you a three E's really quickly. Number one, your job is to exalt the Savior. Well, how do I do that? Imitation is the highest form of flattery. Ask the little boy, what do you want to do if his daddy is in the home? I want to be just like my dad. Stop and think about that for a second, Christian. Do you want to be just like your dad? Your daddy's DNA flows through you. Do you want to be just like your dad? You want to walk like your dad, talk like your dad, think like your dad, act? Imitate. And then... One of the things that, one of the reasons I love coming here, because y'all don't mind worshiping. Thank you, Jesus. You've ador you adore him. 
it's not hard to talk about somebody you love. It, it, it's not hard to talk about somebody who does everything for you. Uh, so when we exalt Jesus, all we're really doing is elevating the very person who needs elevating. Our current president definitely does not need elevating. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let me move on. Exalt the Savior. Walk like he walked, love like he loved. Number two, evangelize the sinner. You know, it's real easy to talk about people when their pants are down four or five inches below where we think they need to be. It's awful easy to talk about the girl as she pushes the stroller and you look in the stroller and there's two in the stroller and one on her arm. It's awful easy to talk about people that don't smell like we smell, look like we look, or go where we go on Sunday. But if we're going to evangelize them, we got to participate with them and go to where they are. We can't talk about them. What we need to do when we evangelize them, we need to get down to where they are and say, brother, look, you might have it hard right now, but see, here's what we do. Let me, let me recommend Jesus. Okay, that's good, but what do you need? How can I help you? Show me what you need me to do, and before we leave, if you have the means to do it, do it. They will listen to you quicker when you respond to their need. I've lived long enough to know that folk can't hear you when they're hungry. I used to look at that and say, no, but I, I've lived long enough now to realize folk, when folk are hungry, before you give them the bread of life, give them a slice of Wonder Bread. Go be with them where they are. Don't talk about coming to church. Matter of fact, you are the church. So if you're there, church is there. And if church is there, Jesus is there. And if Jesus is there, they can be saved. But they need you to come to where they are and tell them about he who saved you. And the same one that saved you can save them. Somebody is saying, yeah, but my daddy's an alcoholic. That's all right. Go to where he is. Sit down and tell him, Daddy, I love you, but I don't love the alcohol. And I know somebody who can bring you out of the alcohol. Uh, if you've had an abusive parent, say, Mama or Daddy, I, I, I understand that you're abusing me because you don't know any better. But let me show you from the word of God that you can do better. Uh, all you have to do is go with them and be where they are. Exalt the Savior, evangelize the sinner, equip the saint. Ministry is a four-letter word, work. Ministry is a four-letter word that has sometimes a five-letter outcome. You might get dirty, but that's all right. If you take Jesus with you, he can clean you up and them too. The work of ministry has got to be carried on by people who are regenerated, not renovated. 
You got to be born. Nicodemus said you got to be born again. God don't want nobody's just been painted over. The pressures of life will remove that veneer. Oh, if you ain't real, trust me. The people out on the street will find you out in a heartbeat. Don't go out there in the street talking about, oh, I love the Lord. And they say, yeah, but you don't love me. Regenerated folk have the love of God in their heart. And what's in your heart is going to come out your mouth. And then it's going to get in your hand. I'm, I don't know. That's all right. Then we have to be humble enough to help and strong enough to serve. Sometimes you just got to stoop down to where they are. And I hate this part, but it's the truth. Sometimes you just got to wait on the Holy Ghost to move folk. Some movement don't happen right away. But wait on him. Matter of fact, doesn't the scripture say wait on the Lord and be of good courage? And he shall. I like that word. He shall strengthen thine heart. Well, let me go to number three. The third reason for giving the gifts, which are people, is for the edifying of the body of Christ. God wants us to build each other up. I, I love coming in here because I know that Lynetta and Terry don't compete. They cooperate. They build each other up. I, I looked over there. Y'all got how many? I don't know, four or five drummers. I'm like, go ahead on with your bad self. Then you got a bass player. Then you bring a brother out. I knew he could direct and all that. Stuff. And then, then he just said, Lord, have mercy. Where'd he go? You just want to sing your poor heart out. No, co no, 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 no competition. It's cooperation. There's no struggle and strife. Uh, when you build each other up, it, it really makes for a smooth operation. When you, when you begin to realize that your gift helps Venus's gift to do what Donnie's supposed to do so that everybody else can serve in the fashion that they're supposed to serve. See, I, I, I don't know why people have such a hard time. I'm not Tracy Venice. So he said, I have his back, I sure do. Every time I turn around, I'm going to tell somebody what a bad boy he is. Why? Because there ain't no competition. That, as a matter of fact, let me help you. In Cincinnati, Ohio, there is no center shortage. So I don't have to compete with him. What I need to do, what I need to do is say, come on, brother. Let, 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 let's, let's, let's lock up. Yeah. Come on, man. Come on, let's walk. Yeah. See, all we have to do, ain't no competition. And when people see, you should see what happens when people see three brothers together. Oh, people are going to stop. Uh, now watch this. Come here, Babatu. Hurry up. Don't wait. Step over. Try to break through us. Come on, run. Don't play. When we cooperate, the devil can't mess with us. When we cooperate, we're stronger. When we cooperate, we're victorious. When we cooperate, we rule and reign. When we cooperate, your gift is not more important than my gift. It's equal because God wants to use all of our gifts. I want to see the devil put out of business. But I can't do it all by myself. I, I see you walking every day. But that's a wonderful thing because when I see you walking, I say, I can do that. 
I, I don't have to talk about him. I can praise him because he then becomes my example. He becomes my barometer. See, what we need to do is pick somebody and say, I want to be just like him. My brothers and sisters, let me hurry up here. Let me close, or try to close, with verse 13. It says, till we all come. All of us. Not some of us. Not most of us. Not many of us. How many of us? All means all. God, is, God can count better than we can. The desire and design of God is to have a house full of children. Oh, no, y'all think I'm talking about church. I ain't talking about church. I'm talking about heaven. God wants all. Matter of fact, God has guaranteed every Christian a one-way ticket. You realize you're going to go home one day? Uh, you, you, you won't worry about being down here. And I'm going to talk about down here in about 30 seconds. Till we all come in what? The unity of the faith. Not the unity of many faiths. There's only one faith. That's what Paul said earlier in the chapter. There's one faith. Well, what is the one faith? The faith that Jesus Christ is the son of God and that he came on a mission from God to restore and rescue the children of God and take those children back home to their father. That is the faith. And while we are here, it is the power of God that keeps us from day to day. Oh, I wish I had a witness in the house that it's the keeping power of God. It's not the prescriptions that I got in my medicine cabinet. It's the hand of God. I, 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 don't, I don't have the house that I have because I'm faithful and paid a mortgage on time. It's because God gave it to me. Uh, everything I have uh, comes from God. And so when I come into the house of God, all, all I really need to do is help other people and myself enter into the faith of Jesus Christ. God did it. God did it. See, I could stay right there today. God, God did it. God woke me up this morning. God, God did it. God preserved my life when I wasn't thinking about doing right. God, God did it. God gave me an expected outcome. See, that's when I get crazy. God did it. Then he said to the knowledge, oh my, the knowledge of the son of God. Question, question. Feel like little Abraham. Some of us are old enough to remember. What do you know about Jesus? What do you know about Jesus? See, you can take that knowledge, put it in your pocket. When they get on your nerves at work, pull out your lifesaver. And when they start talking, you don't even have to listen to them. Just pick that verse out and say, He's all right. If that don't help you, through many dangers, 
through many dangers, you ain't nothing but a danger. Toil and snares, I have, not I will. I have, I have already, not tomorrow, already come. What was it? It was grace. Wasn't my paycheck, it was grace. It was the grace of God, unmerited favor, that brought me safe thus far. You ain't nothing but a danger, a toil, and a snare. Unto a perfect man. Well, I already done told you about that. Well, you ain't going to be perfect down here. You struggling and striving to arrive. You have a destination somewhere you're going to, but you ain't got there yet. But you got some help. I'm so glad the old people say, I wait till my help come. Your help is already there. You ain't got to wait. I'm not going to be perfect on this side, but I'm being perfected. God's got a plan. Uh, I'm going to cheat and tell you when you go home today in between dinner and the second service, read Romans 8, verse 29 down through 38. Uh, That's the purpose of God for you because God wants us to look like Jesus. It's a tall order. Unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness. Wow. To the measure. Ralph, you remember that? Where you at? Oh, you behind you. You remember that we used to get measured in the kitchen, the marks on the kitchen door? And since I was younger than all of you all, I never could measure. But one day I got a little older. And I was down, I was able to look down on some marks. But it didn't happen all at once. I had to grow up. You all already said, get up, grow up. God is telling us, grow up. Grow up in the Jesus. Grow up. Grow up in your prayer life. Grow up. Grow up in your worship. Grow up. Don't stay a baby all your life. Grow up. You ain't going to make it down here, but God said, I'm not disappointed in your growth. I get disappointed when you refuse to grow, when you don't want to grow, when you don't want to that. I, I remember times that I said, I don't want to eat. I don't like what that looks like. I don't like how it smells. I'm finicky like that. If it don't look right, I need it. I don't care how good they tell me it is. If it, if it don't smell right, uh-uh. Oh, no. That's how we are with some of the things God has in his word. I don't want that. God says it's good for you. I used to wear spinach because I used to try to force feed my daughter spinach. And she would let it get in her mouth. And then she would look at me with that sweet little face and go. (laughs) Don't spit the word out. Don't spit the word out. Don't struggle at the word. Eat the word. I came to encourage you today. 
Happy birthday. Happy 111 years. Not many people, not many churches, not many places can say that God has blessed them for 111 years. You've had 111 years worth of service, 111 years worth of love, worth of, worth of faith, 111 years as a witness in Dunbar, now here on Ravenna, in Madisonville, and now that we have social media, you can go all over the world. But I came to encourage you to keep on working, keep on serving, and I got one word for you, until. Keep, keep fighting a good fight of faith until. Stay in the race until. I'm reminded that I was supposed to tell you we do not come here to stay. No, you came here to work. Down here, while you're working, you're going to have trouble. Down here, while you're working, you got an enemy that you got to contend with. Down here, while you're working, your body's going to get tired. Your mind's going to play tricks on you. People are going to leave you and forsake you down here. But I came to tell you, we didn't come to stay down here. Uh, we got a better place. God has something better in mind for us that while we're working down here, uh, he's watching what we do down here. So when we go over there, uh, we'll receive something. Down here, we get dogged out. Up there, we're going to hear two words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, you've walked through the rain. Well done, you've made it through heartache and trial. Well done. Here's the part I like. Down here, I get to see your face. And all oh, you all are so beautiful. But that ain't the face I want to see. I, I got a grandmother over there. I got an uncle and aunt over there. I got cousins over there. But those aren't the faces I want to see. Uh, when I get over there, I want to see Jesus. When I get over there, I want to see the King of Kings. When I get over there, I want to see the Lord of Lords. How many of you want to go over there with me? Uh, how many of you want to walk through Golden Gate? Say yes. How many of you want to walk on Golden Street? Say yes. How many of you want to take a leaf uh, from that tree that blooms eternally and put it on the places where they hurt you? Say yes. If you believe that Jesus is in the center of the city and the city is set on 12 foundations, and you know that God has a place for you, you ought to say yes. Then today, be not weary in well-doing for in due season. Touch a neighbor and say, it ain't time yet. Still got work to do, it ain't time yet. Still have to fight a little longer, it ain't time yet. But soon and very soon, before you know it, Work time will be over, and then it will be time for you to receive your blessing. You'll hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, you've been faithful over, I like God, he does stuff uh, reciprocally. You've been faithful over a few things. Now, I'm going to explode this thing and make you ruler over many. Come on in. Open up the door. Come on in. Let them in. Where are they coming from? They're coming from the north from the south, from the east, and from the west. They're coming up through hard times and tribulations, but they're coming into my father's house. Welcome, good and faithful servant.
Come on in. Come on in. Yes. Sir.